Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome, welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show. Just to... Uh, tell you what's coming up this afternoon Rosalind Doherty is with us she's from the Financial Foundation and you know many people have had to uh, talk to their lenders during the pandemic about adjusting their payments and now lenders are back looking for them to pay up well Rosalind can help if you're in that bracket or even if you're someone who has a legacy debt from the time of the crash Rosalind knows the show and she's with us on the show after 2 o'clock today uh, Curragh Racing back off the northeast coast of Ireland we're going to hear about that as well Peter Kay's back on stage. We're going to remind ourselves about the genius that Peter Kay is. And my story of you two continues in words and song. And we want to hear from you today. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Now, if you're following the news, you will know that uh, Jerry Hutch, the monk, was arrested, surprisingly, in Spain in recent days. The footage is everywhere now at this stage and an extradition warrant looking to take him back to Ireland. Well, last year, I remember talking to Paul Williams. You know, he's our foremost crime writer, one of our most respected journalists. He'd written the definitive book about Jerry Hutch, the monk, and he's back on the line with me today. Hello again, Paul. Hello, Jerry. Good to talk to you. And you too. I have to ask you this to start off. And you've written about this, and I see it quoted in recent days. This man, clever, meticulous, evaded arrest, hasn't been charged with anything since '83. This was all too easy. What happened? Uh, that's the six million dollar question. Um, what did happen? Um, he has been using, and probably felt very comfortable in the knowledge that. He was protecting himself to a to a, a, a shield of false documentation and different uh, passports and stuff like that. But none of this makes any sense because he was in the heart of, for, which effectively is Kinahan country, which is uh, the Costa del Sol. He is living quite close to senior figures in the cartel, people who are in, who are charged with the job of are given the job of trying to find him and murder him. And there was a one million euro bounty on his head. <clears throat> none of that. Jerry makes any sense to me at all. I thought that he uh, would he would go to ground in Eastern Europe. He would inevitably, at some stage, uh, and this is something I'm going to talk to you about in a minute, like the Daniel Kinnans, they will all they all face judge, just, justice in the end. But I think he would have made it a little bit more difficult for them to catch him. 
Um, and that is, as I say, the $6 million question. Just can't understand it. Um, there's talk that this is going to take time, that he's going to fight it. Is there any chance he can avoid being brought back to Ireland and charged? Uh, I, no, I wouldn't say so, because I think the guards have put together a very, very strong case on this. Um, he can fight, but you have to remember the European arrest warrant was, was, was designed uh, to basically centralise the extradition process right across the European Union. And uh, it's basically there to lubricate the system whereby, you know, you can't be mounting vexatious uh, challenges. You can mount legitimate challenges because, <clears throat> you see, we do share a lot of similar laws across Europe. So I think he can go to the Supreme Court of Spain and he can argue his, his, the toss that he, this is unfair and whatever other line he's going to come up with. But ultimately, he would be coming back. That, that won't work. But he will then fight very, very hard. The um, And there's a lot of people quite concerned about what would ha- may have come up. Uh, he is going to fight very, very uh, tooth and nail the, 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 the case against him when he does come back. Um, you know, the, you may recall that the, 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 was his nephew, Patrick Hutch, was um, acquitted or the, the case was dropped against him yes. after the very tragic death of Colin Fox, a lovely, uh, a very fine man, a detective superintendent and a, a brilliant cop. He was the senior officer in charge of the, the, the Regency Hotel attack investigation. Now, when he died, um, there was a lot of controversy. Or a lot, he left notes. and there was, That case, uh, that aspect of all of this was investigated thoroughly by the Guardian. But as a result of whatever happened behind the scenes, it was decided that the case would be dropped, that the, the prosecution against Patrick Hutch would be dropped. Um, now, whatever came up, Jared Hutch is now going to be entitled in discovery to get every page and every word and line of reports that were done behind the scenes in relation to Colin Fox's death and all the other uh, 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 events around that. Now, <clears throat> we don't know what's in, what, what is in any of that, whether it's going to be of any value to him, but he is going to fight tooth and nail to the extent that, you know, he will drag up every and throw every bit of dirt uh, that he can at the state uh, during this process, mm. uh, which, of course, is his perfectly legal entitlement, of course. Mm. But it's it, so you could be looking at this, Jared, Jerry, in about a year and a half, two years' time, because they'll be talking about this if we're still alive. There you go. That uh, that time frame involved. Isn't it incredible <clears throat> to think, though, Paul? Last conviction, <clears throat> 83, walked out of jail in 85, never been back in prison. Well, he was just a very clever criminal, and he is a very, very clever criminal. He's probably one of the cleverest and most cunning of the whole lot of them. And uh, he's only also, I've just finished writing a book about John Gilligan, and mm. I was talking to my publishers about this the other day, <clears throat> and they're the English publishers, and they published a book on the boat last year, but they actually said as well, my God, this guy Gilligan has no redeeming factors or features. There are no, um, <clears throat> there are no colourful aspects to this guy. He's just a horrible disgusting, evil individual. Whereas the monk, while he's a sinister uh, and dangerous individual, there is still an awful lot of colour to him. He had a bit, he, there were, he was multidimensional personality. You could actually like parts of the guy's personality, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, there were likeable parts to him. And you can't rule out the fact as well that the people in the North Inner City, where he's from, uh, would never hear say a bad word about him. Mm. You know, uh, he is very much respected. Having said that, the Regency Hotel attack was one of the most outrageous and outlandish and audacious uh, acts of narco-terrorism we have ever witnessed in this country. 
Uh, and while <clears throat> you can say that the professionalism and the focus of the hitmen that went in that day meant that no innocent people were injured in any kind of indiscriminate gunfire, and they got just the, the people that they wanted, as in one guy, David Byrne, but they were trying to get the rest of them. Um, <clears throat> you could say that was <clears throat> professional, and it, provi- it avoided um, <clears throat> loss of innocent life, so to speak. So to speak. It was still, no matter what way you look at it, it was an absolute outrage. Now, an awful lot of people in the public would have absolutely no sympathy for David Byrne. He's still a human being, but he was a criminal and a dangerous thug. And as we saw what his gang were capable of doing afterwards, they're pure evil, the whole lot of them. And <clears throat> there would be very, very little sympathy for Daniel Kinahan or uh, David Byrne or any of these other thugs if Hutch, who was also a thug, managed to wipe them out. It would have been, as everybody says, you know, normal society always says, it's just thugs killing thugs and that the matters. <clears throat> but as I say, no matter what way you look at this, this was an absolute outrage. And what it did as well, it was very, very embarrassing and very, very um, undermining, uh, 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 or it served to undermine the rule of law mm. or threaten and challenge the legitimacy of the state because there were no guards there that day. Mm. This big, big gangland event was taking place. Not only people there were the Irish independent photographers. <clears throat> you know, so that was a, a, a gravely embarrassing. Now, the Gardaí have more than made up for that since, and they've more than uh, yes. rectified the situation. They've put over 60 members of the Kinhin gang behind bars there, now bringing the whole Hutch outfit in. Um, they have done a spectacular job. Um, but <clears throat> So they, he exposed the deficiencies in Angarda Shikon at the time, which was down to austerity and cutbacks. They didn't have people doing intelligence. Mm. So that hasn't been forgotten either. And the state, you know, I always say this, make this point, the wheels of justice grind, you know, uh, tediously, slowly. But they, once they start, they never stop. They don't stop because it's, a, it's an unstoppable process. The only logical conclusion for it is when it reaches its natural end, if you know what I mean, which is either yeah. in a court or they've, the DPP decides not to charge them. So it will continue. <clears throat> and this clearly shows that it's five years later, in about six, seven years' time, as I said to you, we'll be talking about this still, and it will still be going on. I will predict to you here now, uh, as I've done before, <clears throat> um, Daniel Kenahan. Uh, a lot of these guys think they're untouchable. Mm. Daniel Kenahan, I absolutely believe, will be back in the Special Criminal Court. Uh, I, I, I actually, I believe that absolutely, uh, having spent so long looking at how the, the dynamics of this whole business and how it works Mm. they will get him back because the highest level, very secretly, the highest levels of policing, like Interpol, Europol, working with Angarda Shiokana, also you have the highest level diplomacy from both European level and at Irish level. Um, <clears throat> you have the Drug Enforcement Agency. You have all these major influential agencies hovering around and circling around uh, Daniel Hutch's um, bolt hole from justice in the, in the Dubai desert. Mm. Um, it is the only place that he is safe now. Do you think, Paul, you know, that he's? Do you do you think he's worried today? Do you believe that this what happened with Hutch? Kinnan looks at this now and thinks, "Hold on a minute, I'm next, or I'll be, you know, at some stage, I'm going to be somewhere, and this will happen to me too." Do you do you feel he believes that now? I'd say that deep down in the psychic that he 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 believes that and he knows that. But the thing is, the arrogance of these people, you know, are in, they're incomparable. You you couldn't. 
compare them to normal thinking people. They're so arrogant, they're so egotistical, so much hubris there with all these guys. Like he thinks he's untouchable. He thinks he perhaps has bribed enough people in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates and he has poisoned and uh, the, the whole boxing profession to such an extent at a high level that he will be protected. Uh, I, I, deep down inside, he must know. Like for example as well, Jerry, it, it, it'd be important to point out that today, as of this moment, uh, and I don't have any special information on this, I'm just based on experience, that Jared Hutch is absolutely confident that he would beat the rap, no matter whenever whenever he does come back, he would be absolutely confident he can beat the rap. Mm. Uh, that's the way they think. Uh, because based on Patrick's, his nephew's experience and the fact that that case was thrown out, as I said to you earlier, the way he's going to seek discovery and the way he's going to fight this case. So, um, but that will all be in the lap of the gods, or more, not the lap of the gods, the lap of the three judges in the special criminal court. Yes, and that will, that will unfold in its own time. Can I ask you this, and it's a hypothetical question. Had he succeeded, Hutch, in eliminating the leaders that day uh, in the airport hotel, mm. what would the scenario be today? Would there still be people in that line, in the Kinnan line, that would have come after Hutch? That's a very, very good question, Jerry. In fact, nobody has asked that question. Um, that's a brilliant question. It's a really counterfactual, uh, not a counterfactual uh, log for that one. I would say what would have happened if they got rid of Kinahan and his associates, inevitably there would have been some kind of backlash, but there wouldn't have been the same because if, if, if David Burns uh, was shot dead and Daniel Kinahan, then the main leaders of the gang would be gone. But you have to remember Christy Kinahan was still out there and uh, Christy Kinahan Sr. and also uh, John Cunningham, the two old villains who grew up with Hutch uh, and have been there from the very beginning and are very, very powerful people with access to a lot of firepower. So I think inevitably there would have always been, it probably would have been, you couldn't turn around and say that it could be any worse than it was, and it mm. was pretty bad. Mm. Uh, 13 people, uh, sorry, to, to do, I'll do my quick figures here, uh, 12 people murdered since um, since the incident in the uh, Regency. Mm. It would have been a war either one way or the other, but you would have seen Hutch in a much more powerful position, and maybe Hutch would have you know, moved in and started beating them up uh, and maybe killing more of them as well. Yes. I think inevitably what would have happened, Jerry, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sound like I have some kind of answer for you, but I think inevitably there would have been a lot more, there would have been more bloodshed. Yes. Uh, whether, whether, whether there would have been more bloodshed than actually happened, I don't know. Mm. But the dynamics of organised crime today would be quite different. Mm. But the, the part of all of this is, I, I, I've been saying it since this last week, you know, no matter how clever you are, no matter how powerful you are in gangland, and they're, inevitably, no matter how clever they are, they're still quite stupid, a lot of them. Um, <clears throat> the law will ultimately prevail and they can run and they can't hide. And it's a salient lesson for the people in Drogheda because um, we've talked about this many times, Jerry. Like, mm. this is exactly the same. Organised crime has only ever become, it's like having rat infestation in your garden. You only know you have an infestation when you see one or two of them running around the place smiling at you. Uh, in, in gangland, you only realise how deep and deep the, the the trade, the drug trade, and their organised criminal activities seep into society when they actually start killing each other. And nobody, the people in Trotter have witnessed that up close and, and personal. But what happened was, and the chief down there, uh, Christy Mangan, a cop I've huge respect for, always had my all, all my career with, uh, and he said at the time, look, this will, these people will be taken on, and they were taken on. Trotter is a quiet, peaceful town again. People are getting on with their lives, and here's the lesson to the animals who did what they did down at Drogheda. They can run, but they can't hide. None of them are ha- have half as intelligent or even a m- minuscule 
uh, amount of the intelligence that's available to uh, Jerry Hutch or even Daniel Kennan. These are their complete Neanderthals, those guys in, in Drogheda. But they will go down. They will not be allowed away with it. And actually, it's very clear, like, they are, they are on the run. And that's what you can do. It sounded great when you were cutting up a poor little lad like Keen Reedy Roots, who would probably be as nasty a thug as any of the rest of them, but nobody deserved what he got. But the dump body parts around in the street, that was a new law. But the thing about it is, that only gains them, and this goes to show, they don't have the cognitive ability to work out the consequences of their actions. And that's their problem. That's always ultimately their flaw. They terrorise society. People lose their lives. People have their lives turned upside down by these animals. But ultimately, they too themselves will either end up dead or end up in a prison cell. Paul, look, uh, uh, your words... uh I'm hanging on them and I'm sure most people are listening to you today and, and are encouraged by what you say and how the Guardian and all the people involved in, you know, bringing this to bringing these people to justice and bringing normality back to Limerick and Drogheda and uh, our capital city as well. But here's my final question to you today. You mentioned the rats. They always have litters. <laughs> yeah, the debris... They seem to breed very quickly, yeah, as well as that, you know, they're very good at that kind of thing. Um, mm. it, it, the problem with organised crime is that, and you saw it with those three thugs who are, and I found this very, very disturbing, actually, uh, even though I'm hard-bitten, cynical about the whole process and how it works and what it is, but those three thugs who got killed in the car, three burglars, mm. and you saw that obscenity. Now, I'm not religious in any way, but yes. going up to an altar, mm. it's a bit like bringing up a Glock automatic and say, say one of the guys had been a killer, here's the Glock automatic, you know, we celebrate his life in the church, mm. in God's house, with a Glock. They went up with a, a, a screwdriver. That screwdriver was used to terrorise the life of people, sticking in the head of an 80-year-old woman or an 80-year-old man in their homes. But what I found really scary about that, Jerry, was, and I think this might answer your question, is that th- there was an entire community went and invaded that church and surrounded that church that day. And for that entire community, what those three thugs, those low-life scumbags, and I, I always get in trouble for saying that, but that's the only word you can use for them when you look at the kind of compatriots they have and all the, the display that went around, on around those funerals, particularly that Maguire guy. It is terrifying because in those people represent an entire community. So within that community, you're, you're fighting... The, the law-abiding people in the communities where those guys came from and that the mourners came from, the people who went up and said, your man's an effing legend and proje- presented the, the, uh, the, the screwdriver and the altar to say this is a symbol of the man's work, for God's sake, when you think of it. Mm. Um, if you, the, the law-abiding people in the areas where those people live are, are, are in the minority. Can you imagine trying to rear your kids yes. in that environment? And what I was looking at 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when I came to Dublin first, uh, in 1980s, I started covering organised crime, which was in its infancy, really, and even though it was a phenomenon that had been around for 15 years. Those people were in the minority. And then you see that church being surrounded. That scares me, and that's going back to, your, I think, your question. Because yes. You're looking at some of the people. There are people there in Drogheda who still think that one side is better than the other, and they all support each mm. other. And like they're never intelligent enough to realise, hang on a minute, you can end up spending the rest of your life in prison here. Mm. And the only really mature when they get into their 40s and 50s, and that is too bloody late. Mm. Uh, so it is much more, and it's the, it's the drug culture has created it, it is much more entrenched in society now, yes. that level of antisocial uh, criminality uh, and attitude, and also what you call in, in, in criminogenic 
estates and criminogenic um, um, whole communities whereby the conditions that create the problems of crime are outnumber the conditions that prevent the outbreak of crime, if you know what I mean, prevent people from becoming involved in, in serious crime. And that yes. is, I think that is a really serious concern. And, uh, you know, and then you see the way we and the media have had to come. Like, nobody turned around. <laughs> I think I, this is the first time I got away with saying it. Um, but like, those three guys, which I think epitomised the new generation of criminality, the new world of crime that we live in, um, when people were talking about those guys and what they were doing, the ordinary man on the street, the people listening to your show, Jerry, were saying, those bastards, when they were hearing what was going on, those low-life bastards. But the point about it was, nobody in the media were saying that. Nobody in the media were really reflecting that. They were saying, oh, isn't it a terrible tragedy? You know, because we have now been beaten into the ground to an, ex- an extent, the media, as well as the silent majority, whereby you can't call a spade a spade anymore the way you could. You can't say, this is what it is. Yep. Instead of trying to put some sugar coating, three guys drove a car down the wrong side of a motorway, up out in front of a truck, got absolutely eviscerated. They were up to no good. They were committing crime. They had terrorised elderly people in their homes. Mm. The same way as Hutch's outfit terrorised the people of the north inner city, the same way Daniel Kennan has terrorised and murdered at least 12, 13 people. You know, yes, in his time. And you know what, Paul? I, I, I have to finish today, but I will say that we rely on the likes of Christy Mangan and the good guards and the detectives and the force and the, the rule of law to keep on top of this. And if and there know, are... There's a, you know, a very good point to that. Yeah. People, listen, you know what? There's been a whole move to try and undermine the rule of law in this country. And it started with politicians mm. 10 years ago in Dolan. And the point is that it is not uncool to respect your local police officer. Absolutely it is not, not uncool to obey the rule of law. And also, there's a lot of, and the, the amount of hard work they've done, the amount of threats, the amount of hassle they get, and then they go into court and get beaten around the witness box by, in the most I know, I way. know. It's, you know, uh, look, it, uh, it, it, we... It's we, right to support them. It is, it is, and, and to help them as well. We leave it on that note today. Paul, thank you so Very much well, for yeah. joining me. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Paul Williams there, Ireland's number one crime writer, talking about a range of issues when it comes to the rule of law and order. Paul Williams certainly calls a spade a spade, calls it out, and it needs to be called out. There's no doubt about it. But again, I say well done to our Gardaí, and uh, the work they've done has been incredible uh, here in the North East, Dublin, Limerick, and all over the country as well. And long may they continue to do the wonderful work they do. Don't forget this Saturday, turning to sport, we have commentary on three Premier League matches on the LMFM app or by clicking on lmfm.ie. You can listen live there. First up, Liverpool take on Burnley at half 12. At 3 o'clock, Leeds face Everton, while Watford are at Brighton for the evening game at half 5. Premier League live with now. Stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. Watch the games you want and listen here with us on LMFM. MFM Radio. Coming up on the show after two, Rosalind Doherty is with us from the Financial Foundation. If you are in difficulty with your mortgage, if you're talking to your lender, if you need some advice or help, if you're on a high interest rate or if you have a legacy debt from the 2008 crash, we're going to be covering off those issues with Rosalind on the show after two o'clock. If you have any questions for her, 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now, time to head towards news and uh, weather at two o'clock in the company of Monday and Sharon Shannon and the Galway Girl.
Now, the financial crisis 2008, my God, the difficulties it presented to so, so many people. And that legacy continues for many. And then, of course, we have COVID hits and people lose their jobs. They're out forelogged on uh, reduced payments and mortgages are a big issue. And people talk to their lenders. They get some breathing space. But now as things begin to open up again, the banks and lenders are back looking for their money. And people are feeling the pressure. Well, we hope we'll alleviate some of that pressure over the next while because I'm joined by a wonderful lady, an award-winning lady, let me tell you as well, from the Financial Foundation. She's been with us many times on the show. I'm delighted to say hello again to Rosalind Doherty. Rosalind, hello. Hello there, Jerry. Thanks a million for having me again. It's, I think it's almost 18 months since I, I last spoke to you about the the ins and outs of the banking system. Mm, it's been a while. That's why this came to mind. And I'm not exaggerating, am I? Let's talk about the, the pandemic payment breaks. What did lenders do for people? Well, basically, they were, their, their hands were forced to, to put a payment break in place for customers. Now, they did originally offer for three months, um, and then extended it to six months, but they're back. They're back now looking for that money that they, they offered payment breaks on last year. Now, some mortgages are going up maybe by 30 or 40 euro per month as a result of that payment break last year. But if those people haven't returned to work, it's next to impossible for them to, to go back and start paying the mortgages again. So like at present, I'm, I'm basically keeping the banks at bay from a lot of my clients that are still on the PUP payments and have not returned to work full time. So until that, that actually happens and people are back in the workforce, we can't go in and look for restructures, but the banks are back full force, looking no. for the money and looking for their payments. They always do. But here's the thing that crosses my mind. Would they not extend the length of the term at the end rather than going looking for this extra money? Well, that's what they did in some cases. But again, by the time they've added on the, the interest, etc., the payments are going up. So if a customer comes in to me, Jerry, I will look at all options and see is there a possibility there to extend out this term to in order to, to keep the payments as low as possible? Um, and I'll also assess the interest rate, et cetera, which is in a, another huge discussion with the banks. Um, but I'll always look and see, is there a possibility there for a long-term arrangement? Most people, we, we just don't have that flexibility at the moment. So are you saying that lenders are looking at, right, you got some leeway here for a time, you haven't made these payments, and they're looking for people to up their payments straight away to claw back that amount that they haven't paid? Is that basically it? Absolutely, yes. And literally within the six months of of, of the, the payment break last year, as soon as that was up, the letter started landing out. Okay, we've now capitalised your 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 repayments that you didn't make during the break, and here is your new mortgage payment. So you know it could have been a payment of nine hundred and fifty a month that has now gone to nine hundred and eighty a month with those those payments now capitalised back in. But as I said, an extra thirty euro to somebody who's yeah. out of work. You know, it's not affordable. It's a lot of money. What do you say to listeners today? You're there, I know, and I'll be giving your details at the end. Should you capitulate, stand your ground? What? It's difficult when you feel you're on your own against the might of a lender. It does, it does. But look, you know, the, the banks are not there to to make us scared or anything. Or, or They're there to help, believe it or not. Now, 
the last thing any lender wants to do is to repossess a home. And I'm saying this 10 years plus now, that it's the very last thing they want to do. They want to go in and see, is there any solution there for the customers to keep them in their homes? So as I said, I look through every single option available to the customers um, that the customer, that banks must assess them for. But I want you to, if your listeners could, if possible, go home and check the interest rate that their mortgages are currently on, Jerry, mm. because a huge amount of my customers that are coming to me, particularly if their mortgages are with vulture funds, like they're on rates of five and a half percent, I can get that knocked down to at least three percent. And I'll just give you an example on a typical mortgage of two hundred thousand euro over thirty years. On a five and a half percent interest rate, the cost of credit is. Two hundred and eight thousand euro. Mm. If I reduce that down to three percent, it reduces the cost of credit to one hundred and three thousand. So the banks, in effect, are charging two hundred thousand for the mortgage, plus two hundred and eight thousand to service that mortgage on a rate of five and a half percent. Wow, that is a massive saving from two hundred and eight thousand, which is interest, down to one hundred and three thousand on the yeah. lesser rate. And look at does it does a very like round about three percent? Would that be fair to say is the average you should be paying? Yes, it's three percent is still very, very high in comparison to the rest of Europe. But right. we have, I think, we have to kind of grin and bear this rate around two point eight to three percent, and that's what most of the banks will reduce down to. They're still getting a nice little profit themselves, but to save a customer a hundred thousand euro over the thirty-year term, the cost of credit of the mortgage is huge. So it's really something. If anybody has their mortgage paperwork at home, go and please check your interest rates. If you're paying anything over three percent, there's a, a possibility you could be making a huge saving Mm. now the banks are reducing the rates once a financial statement goes in and and the request is there look these customers have been charged heavily on a high interest rate let's reduce it down keep the mortgage stable for the duration of the term and i have to say nine times out of ten i will get my request that's great to hear. So if you're on a higher rate than 3% or people like you heard Rosalind there on 5 to 6%, that's ridiculous altogether. Do that and you could save yourself a fortune. What about the switching process? Right, right. you're saying you'll go to the lender and you, you uh, talk to them and uh, you can get that rate knocked down. But say for people, you know, who might look at switching their mortgage to get a much better rate, is it complicated? I've heard people say, oh my God, you have to go through hoops. There's so much paperwork. What do you say to that? Well, there is. It's just basically like starting off a new mortgage again. But again, if you have been in arrears over the past couple of years, your credit check, credit check will be poor, which will affect switching a mortgage to a new company as well. Um, so, so it's something that, that people have to consider. Is it cheaper for me to move? But how is my credit check? I would say to everybody, go into the ICB.ie, which is the Irish Credit Bureau, and request a credit check on yourself and see what debts are outstanding, um, etc. That will all show there. And that stays on the register against each customer for a period of six years. Now, the 2008 collapse, I don't have to remind you of it, you've been working through scenarios ever since with people. Does the fallout continue? You know, people think, oh, that's gone away. It's sorted now. Everybody's hunky-dory. Pre-pandemic, that's what I was dealing with, the fallout from 0809. And I mean, there were still hundreds, hundreds and thousands of people in mortgage arrears. Then, boom, came this pandemic and has landed people that were never in arrears 
has landed them into arrears now. Mm. Now, it might only be a small amount, like two or 3,000, but the banks will still chase you as if you're 100,000 in arrears mm. once you're in arrears in any way, shape or form. But a good note is um, they're having serious difficulty getting customers into courts at the moment because of the huge backlog. So if your bank is ringing you and threatening with legal act- action, etc., they're 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 basically talking through their hats at the moment because they they cannot get cases into court. Okay, interesting to hear that. And uh, that problem hasn't gone away, as you said. Right, the pandemic is there, but people who have legacy debt, it's still an issue. Now, let me ask you about that because a lot of non-performing loans were transferred from the banks, from permanent TSB to various vulture funds. Here are some questions for you: Can they change your terms and conditions with that transfer? No, they can't. They, they, the new lender must adhere to the original terms and conditions that, that, that the original lender had. OK, so there's no way they can uh, contact you and say, look, uh, we want you to start. Let's say, for example, this, there are people on interest only loans, long term interest only loans. Can they force you into paying off capital? No, again, every bank before they demand anything will be looking for a financial statement. The financial statement is the key to everything because this shows what comes into your household, what goes out on a monthly basis and what you have left over. So that is like the the holy grail of mortgage arrears as such is the financial statement. And depending on what you submit into your provider on that statement, that's how they come back with their their decisions. Hmm. But look, you know, ideal, I'd love if everybody could go in and fix their own mortgages, but to have somebody in the background who can talk to the banks and knows the figures the banks want in uh, and the paperwork, you know, it's it's so much more helpful for people because people are scared to pick up the phones and deal hmm. with their lenders. Some people, you know, they can be very intimidating in the banks. Um, they are there doing a job at the end of the day, but... You know, they do bully people and demand money. If you had a tracker with your original lender and that is still valid and can run for a number of years again, Rosalind, they cannot touch you there. You can't be taken off that. They can't. No. And again, the tracker is like gold dust. It's it's non-existent, um, as we all know now. But if anybody has a tracker, you stay on it. Do not let any lender buy it off you, which is something they were doing a couple of years ago. They were offering like lump sums of thirty to 40000 to buy the tracker mortgages off people and put them on to standard variable rates. But it's, it's a complete ripoff. Stay on your tracker if you have it. But no lender who transfers your mortgage can, can change that. What about the rates you mentioned earlier on? Uh, is it wise to fix a rate for a term at the moment if you get a deal? Well, at the moment, the banks, the, the fixed rate terms they're offering out are between 2 to 3%. So they might offer 2.9 and 2.2, you know, dependent on your loan to value, which is how much is your house worth versus the outstanding mortgage. Mm. So dependent on your loan to value, you will be offered different rates. Would but you th- fix? Would you fix? That's the question. What's your advice? I suppose... For the next two years, everything's going to be pretty unstable with this COVID, etc. If you get the opportunity to fix it and you have it in writing that you will revert back to your tracker, if you were in a tracker, by all means, fix it for the next two years. I would not go any longer because we do not know what's going to happen when the world recovers from from Mm. COVID. If you're that lucky person that won a million, we hear in the Euro Millions online in loud last evening, we're hearing this coming to us anyway on the news wires, and you're on a fixed. If you've fixed, can you clear off the uh, outstanding amount or does that preclude you from clearing off? 
Well, some fixed rate mortgages will have um, terms, conditions in there that you may have to buy yourself out of it. But sure, if you have a million euro in the bank, Jerry, you are <laughs> so right there, oh, God Almighty. Most people don't, but well done, help to wear that person or persons, whoever they are. The other thing is this: you know, we are heard vulture funds; they're desperate, they're worse than the lenders. What do you say to that? They're ruthless. I totally disagree. Totally. Now, a couple of years ago, when I would have been dealing with with the vulture funds, um, for example, start mortgages, they 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 did come in and pick the bones off mortgages and try and get out of the country as quickly as possible. But they have completely changed their attitude, as have other vulture funds, because they've realised repossessing homes in Ireland is not that easy, and that customers are keen. To, to engage with the lenders and try and get some form of long-term arrangement in place. But as I said, the banks are as keen and eager to resolve each case and, and put a long-term arrangement, get everybody out of arrears and, and get a long-term arrangement in place. We hear of the big boys and girls doing deals. If you have a lot of money, if you owe a massive amount of money, you can get a deal. What about on a mortgage? If somebody, you know, has a couple of hundred thousand borrowed, maybe a little more, they're feeling the weight of this, they, you know, want to get out of this scenario. Are there deals to be done? Is there any knockdown? There are indeed, yeah. Like, when your mortgage is sold from your existing lender to a vulture fund, it is sold at a knockdown discount price. But they will never disclose to us what that, that selling price was. So say, for example, your mortgage was 200000 with permanent TSB and it transferred over to start mortgages. Maybe for they sold it maybe for €100,000. We don't know. But they will still look for the original €200,000. Mm. But the vulture funds do like their lump sums. So, I mean, it's always open for discussion. If you had an €80,000 lump sum to pay off an existing mortgage of 150000 they will consider it. They will consider it and they will look at all, all options. They do like to get their lump sums into their hand in the, um, in the banks and the vulture funds. So much sound information from Rosalind today. And again, congratulations to you on the All-Ireland Business Foundation Award again this year for the second year in a row. Do you know what it shows me? And I never doubted this for a minute. You're doing a great job. And I do know many people who you've been a wonderful help to. And you've uh, taken that burden from their lives. You're doing great stuff and continued success to you, Rosalind. Now tell them, how do they get in touch with you? Thanks, Jerry, for, for that. Um, well, the, the, the office number is 04198-35710 or you can check out our website, um, thefinancialfoundation.ie, our Facebook page. But please, if anybody's in distress or concerned, just pick up the phone. We can have a five-minute chat and just see what your circumstances are and what is the potential for you going forward. You're great. I won't leave it as long again, I promise you. Continued good fortune and good luck to you, Rosalind. Thanks so much, Jerry. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. That lady is simply brilliant. And I don't tell you a word of a lie that I do know people she has been an angel to. She really has. She's got in there. She knows how to deal with these people. And she is worth a shout. The Financial Foundation dot IE or the number 041. 9835710. Now, today I want to mention somebody very special because he's 90 years young today. Hale and hearty, 
and a truly great man. Yes, Gene McKenna, happy birthday to you. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. He'd be best known for his time, longest serving physio of Drogheda United Football Club. We've spoken to him on the show. He serves so many managers there and he goes to every game still. He never misses. He's always there. He knows his football and people just love him up at United Park as well. He worked in the island cake mills in Drogheda for years and years, made many friends there. A wonderful first aider. He really was and looked after so many as well bowling, badminton, a sportsman, an all-round sportsman, I have to say. He loves his old flutter as well, and he's most successful, I'll tell you that, but he won't tell you, really. He won't give you the tips. You know, he's the real he's the real punter, I have to say. He's very lucky, because every time I get the results from the Drogheda Lotto, he comes out in the lucky dip. He must be the luckiest man around, I have to say. And, you know, never play him at cards. I'll tell you that. Never take him on in a game of cards. You're in trouble. He is the poker face. He certainly has. But, you know, they say behind every great man, there's a fantastic woman. Well, can I say behind every great woman, his wife is the famous Anna McKenna. There is a fantastic man. And from Dermot, Geraldine, Bernard and all your grandchildren and all your friends, Jean, I want to dedicate this to you on this very special day because I'll tell you this, and I mean it, this world is the better for Jean McKenna. I see trees of green Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world The wonderful Louis Armstrong and wonderful world especially for Jean McKenna 90 years young today and young at heart always and forever Happy birthday Jean Enjoy Ah Louise I have to say, I was saddened when I heard the news this morning of the passing of comedian Sean Locke. I think everybody was, weren't they? Ah, 58. He's only 58 years of age. Cancer, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And, you know, the presenter of, well, not the presenter. He's been a comedian on television for so long across a range of shows. But, you know, somebody that you love, that you honestly believe that they're your friend. You know what I mean? When okay, I, I, yeah. You watch them and enjoy them so often. For me, 8 out of 10 cats, he was years on that show. And then uh, it morphed into 8 out of 10 cats do Countdown, which I which absolutely love. love. I love, I love to bits. Sean Locke was one of the team captains with John Richardson, Jimmy Carr, the host, Susie Dent and Rachel Riley from the um, Countdown show itself. Irreverent, you'd want your wits about you. They'd take lumps out of you. But you know what I'll say about Sean Locke? I never saw a man that could ad-lib, that had the wit and was brilliant at improvising in my life. He was just Louise. Simply the best. And I'm saddened today to think that he's gone. Mm. I really am. He was wonderful. And he brought joy and happiness and laughter to so many in his lifetime. And may he rest in peace today because... That's another, that's the whole thing, isn't it? A laugh gone silent. Yes. And you need it at this stage. A laugh has gone silent. That is the truest thing. But I just wanted to remember the late great... I can't believe I'm even saying that, Sean Locke, on the show today. I also wanted to mention that the fields are white. The fields... You know the hills are alight. (laughs) The fields are white with mushrooms. 
You're oh, I was out with me shadow. Myself and Ava went picking. All oh, you know something. It's just I went picking as a child with my dad field mushrooms. And, and, and I, full circle. And that joy. I saw that joy. I saw myself in her as a six year old finding the mushrooms among the little tufts of grass. <laughs> and I showed her how to pick them. And we got a big bucket of them. Now, she won't eat them. <laughs> and when I was cooking them, she was looking at me and I did. Do you know, I had that many mushrooms last weekend. I had them for breakfast, dinner and tea. I put them on toast, you know, sauteed them on toast, mm-hmm. a little bit of garlic, gorgeous. I made the mushroom soup out of them with the milk and thickened it with corn flour and a little bit of uh, fried, a little bit of onion first. Beautiful. It's real dark in colour. And then I had them as an aside to me dinner. You're I'm not sick of them now. I'm a fun guy. Uh-huh. So you know that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit brown looking all the way. <laughs> it's the old mushrooms, but we went picking and it's a great year for them. I, I, I We said it before and listeners sent us in pictures last week of the picking I was dying to get out and I got out the weekend but it's a great year the real warm spell for weeks and then the moisture comes boop and up they come overnight fantastic really fantastic but you know something it's a simple little thing in life but what about it it's worth its weight in gold you know hope someday where did you go just feels near you is it whoosh can't say. <laughs> can't tell people about your mushroom field. Okay. So Jesus, there'll be somebody else down there. No, not now. People don't even bother with them. But years ago, you couldn't tell anyone your mushroom field because there'd be someone in picking it before you were there yourself and it'd be cleaned. So mum's the word. Stay stum if you have a mushroom field. That's the way it is. Well, I won't be telling anyway, but there's a field we go to and we get them when they're out <laughs> at this time of year. But I just hope in years to come, she'll remember me as I remember my dad. Of course she will. Yes, and that's the thing about it. And she said to me, gang, gang, are we going again? We are indeed, dear. We'll be out again this coming weekend. Anyway, late lunch, LMFM Radio. Currucks are back on the East Coast. We're going to hear about it next. Jerry, myself and my nephew went picking blackberries yesterday. Nothing better for a child than to be in nature. I couldn't agree with you more. And there's just such a wonderful crop of blackberries uh, as well uh, this year out there. And they're lovely, the jam and everything you can do with them. And they're free. They're free in nature. That's about that's the thing about all this stuff. It doesn't cost a dime. Isn't it fantastic? Now, Corrocks. You think of Corrocks and you think of the West and the South of Ireland. But last year, Curragh Racing was revived in this neck of the woods. And it's happening again in Skerries this Saturday. The Three Island Curragh Challenge will take place. And Shane Holland is on the line to tell me more. Hello, Shane. Well, Jerry, how are you doing? Are you well? I'm good. Well, you're back again to do it again. <laughs> and as I said, you know, you don't you don't really associate Curragh's with here, do you? Honestly. Well, there's a revival on, but it is a... You know, it's traditionally a West of Ireland thing, yeah. all right. You know, and the, there's a whole load of different styles of, of curds, but, uh, you know, from Donegal right down to Cork and around, you know. So we we started building curds about in 2018, mm. and we built kind of our own style one, which is kind of like a, a cross between a Clare, a Galway, and an Ackill Island one, which is Curragh Nascari. But we started building another one there, kind of just recently a, a Dunfanaghy Curragh. So we have a number of different styles of Curragh in the in the little Skerries fleet at the moment and it's kind of it's kind of catching on but we have to give a lot of credit to our local man Clive O'Gibney here on the Boyne oh, at yeah. Newgrange. Yeah. And Clive and his family are you know dedicated to building 
Curragh and, and the Boyne Curragh. So there is a tradition here. Mm. But, you know, we're adding to it and there's a lot of people living up on the East Coast and there's a lot of there's a lot of West of Ireland people as well blowing into Skerries and the area and that's our kind of setup in Skerries has a lot of <laughs> yes. a lot of West of Ireland links anyway. Yeah, now here's the question for you. Right, you mentioned the different variations and a, an amalgam uh, and Skerries giving its name to it now. There are 12 Corrocks competing this Saturday for the East Coast Curragh Rowing Championship Cup. Now this is getting serious, it uh, really yeah, is. Now yeah. it's big, but here's the thing. Are they all the same, the 12, or are they different? And will they all have the same number of crew in them? Well, the thing is, like, the one that I'll be rowing in with my son is a two-hander, like that small Dunfanagan okay. one. So, so we will be releasing the, two, the two-handers kind of about 10 or 12 minutes uh, early. Because mm. if, if you have three, ah, three times the power, yes. you know, so we'll stagger it like a swimming race. And if yes. you had the Navogues with the four people in it, they'd be held back for another 10 or 12 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Give so everybody a chance. It's a handicap system. Course. It's a handicap system, and yeah. I understand it now. Yeah, that was just puzzling me for a bit. So it'll be yeah. all, uh, they'll be all going at different times to give nobody advantage over anybody else. So there you are. Now... Yeah, um, and it's kind of, uh, I think it's 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 run pretty much, it's not really the traditional kind of race type of thing. Yeah. Um, even though 50, 60 years ago in Scaries, they actually ran Curric races and we didn't even know about them um, Jerry you know there was a cup that just appeared last year which is a lovely beautiful silver cup which was the East Coast Curric Rowing Championship Cup solid silver and there was a man called Felix who was going into a home in Balbriggan and he subsequently died and Felix Murray his family donated the cup to Curricina Scary and we never realised it was Curric racing until we actually started doing it and then the old people started saying we're sick of seeing Currocks. They were here 60 years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> we realised there was a cup, so they gave us the cup. And yeah. we have we have possession of the cup now. So 60 years later, we've started doing this thing again. So it's it's kind of reviving something that was kind of part of the Talchin game yeah. years and years ago. And they bring up people from the west of Ireland and they'd, they'd row against each other competitively. Whereas we're doing a thing of just going around the island. And yes. it's kind of like Opportunity Knocks where you take a flag off Shenick and then you get out of your boat and put, and then when you reach the south strand you take the flag out and plant it on the beach where you where you launched off from so it's not like a it's not like a point to point it's yes. more about navigation and having okay. a, having a good time yeah so and the three islands you mentioned Shenick where else there's Colt, St Patrick's and Shenick so we kind of go around them clockwise the Colt is the first one closest to the shore yeah. and we head off from the south strand and kind of people can look from the beach. We don't want people kind of cramming in on the no. on the people because we're subject to the the under two hundred. Yes, you know there'd be about fifty people, but we just want to keep mm. um, you know the punters kind of at a distance. They can enjoy the thing. We go around uh, the north side of Cold Island, around the back of Sen- uh, of St Patrick's Island, and then back off to Shenick, which is the one with the Martello Tower on it. And we pick the flags off the beach there, and then and then go like the clappers for the South Strand. <laughs> and whoever's, whoever's first gets the cup gets the so, cup uh, just to mention 200 uh, Mr Varadkar and Mr Bowen remember it's 200 you can't go near the beach if you're coming to have a look uh, stay well clear and look from a distance just a little advice to people there who you. got into a little bother with 200 people a few weeks ago in a hotel in <laughs> Dublin anyway um, but look at this is uh, what you mentioned there is really uh, poignant and special this cup has come back it's come full circle it's now up for grabs and well done to the Murray 
Murray family to, who've donated it uh, and it'll be rolled for now it'll be uh, raced for e- each year listen this cup adds more spice to it doesn't it oh I tell you and and again the, we're back to the, the local the local lads Rurkin and Oshin O'Gibney you know Clive's uh, yes. two sons won the cup last year and they, they trounced everybody these two you know 21 year olds <laughs> Took, took off like like a hot snot and they, they beat us all. You know, and a lot of our crowd are, you know, we're in our 50s and we're, we're struggling to keep up with the young guns. But, you know, it's just a bit of fun. But uh, they they steamed us completely. But they'll be hopefully back to to kind of defend their title defend on the boyne. Everybody else is gunning for them. Are you listening, O'Gibnes? Be sure <laughs> they're all after you this time well, round. But look, and at- I'll tell you, Jerry, the, the thing is that you know, we started this a couple of years ago with five boats, mm. and then last year it went to seven boats. So we have we have the Rings End people on the Liffey, then we East Wall, then we have Skerries, the Boyne, and Warren Point, and now the Belfast crowd have come in, and they're bringing a boat down from Belfast. <laughs> and then the, we were over in Donegal there a couple of weeks ago launching our Donegal boat, and we met a guy on the pier, this old fella, Connell, who must be in his 80s, and he came down to the pier to look at our boat with Skerries written on the back of it. Yeah. And he actually said, I went up to Skerries in 1959 with our club and we won it from Aaron Moore <laughs> Island in Donegal. So we were, we couldn't believe it. Oh, that we actually met the people that, yeah. that had competed in the race and were, you know, he was still alive. And it, it meant a lot to them mm. because they didn't really have Corrocks left on their island yeah, but, um, there's you know there's about six different varieties in Donegal itself. Mm. You know between Tory Island, Dunfanaghy. Um, you know there's a whole different there's a whole tradition there. But we're really delighted to kind of be, yes. you know, stoking the fire. I and suppose. you know what I'm thinking, like as you speak to me, history is unfolding here. You know, with with all the different things that are coming to light, it's fantastic. One thing I do want to say: don't let that Belfast crowd win. We need to keep the cup in Europe. <laughs> Are you listening now? I, oh, I'm no, serious listen, here. There's no, <laughs> only joking, Belfast. Only joking, uh, only joking. Well, the Warren Point crowd have come <laughs> to us before. This is the Carlingford Lock <laughs> yeah. Club. And we were up, we had to go up to them to, to compete in their yes, international yes. rowing yeah, championships. Okay, okay. And, and they had some of the Galway crowd over, some of the All-Ireland Championships. Oh, I see. Championship people. So, you know, they, they the Galway people kind of cleared the boards there, but we're not sure. Uh, we don't expect any Galway people to come to, mm. to take it easy on us. Um, but no. We'll, we'll see anyway. The, there's a, there's four boats coming from the north, so it'll be all pretty competitive. Ah, it will indeed. Seriously, yes, it's all fun and everybody welcome, of course. But you better watch that Warren Point crowd, you know, with a Galway influence as well. There's a lot of skullduggery going on here in the background. I feel it already. The secret <laughs> training going on, coaching and everything for this oh, yeah. thing. Oh, no, my word. You know, they had the All-Ireland Championship <laughs> champion up from Galway training them in. There you Warren go. Point, so there you go. But anyway, look, it's a great day to look forward to. So 200 people in involved around the boats folks don't please encroach on the beach it's happening on Saturday 11am on the South Strand in Skerries and there's plenty of viewing points well distant that people can watch what's going on and Jerry, just to let you know like it wasn't it's not just the Curragh thing that's going on in Skerries that day the, yeah. by the coincidence the, the, uh, the rowing the skiff rowing championships yeah. are going on The one of the regattas so the rowing club is doing the wooden boats off the Red Red Island as well, so there'll mm. be a whole marine kind of weekend going on. Two separate events going on, but you know different parts of the 
of, of scaries but uh, yeah. it'll be all happening at the weekend if we can get the weather Absolutely um, Look at you guys out in the water won't mind it there's a bit of moisture about but listen you just throw on your skins everybody <laughs> and there won't be a bother on you at all look it's just great to hear it's in its second year history unfolding Third and evolving actually, yeah. Sorry I beg your pardon I beg your pardon yes yeah. you have it right but like it's evolving all the time more crews coming from all over the country and it's going to be a great day in Scaries this Saturday but in particular, this one, Shane and the crew, 11am from the South Strand in Skerries. Listen, I'll come back to you again because I just love what you do in your design work and everything. I know we've spoken before, but you're a fantastic guy and so talented. We'll be back to you on that one, uh, Shane, okay, Gary, thanks, in a while. Thanks for taking, Not at all. Thanks for taking the time with us. You're very Cheers. welcome. Good luck to you on Saturday. Okay, I just, Jerry. Take care now. Bye-bye. I just think that's fantastic, isn't it? Skerries, the place to be uh, this Saturday. I love Skerries, I have to say. It's a lovely town. It always looks well. Blue Bar. Love going to the Blue Bar. Haven't been there in a while, of course, with the restrictions as well. Stoops. Oh, the pint and stoops and a bit of seafood. Looking hell. You could be anywhere in the world, so you could. But Skerries, it is the most beautiful, beautiful place. The harbour, the town, everything to do with it. It's unspoiled and long may it remain so with the little shops and everything that it has going for it. Love the place. Anyway, Saturday, Skerries. The place to be. Still to come on late lunch this afternoon. Yes, my story and words and song continue about you too. And you do know Peter Kay. He's back performing again. Yes, he performed in recent days and he was just fantastic. I'm going to remind ourselves about the talent that is Peter Kay before the end of late lunch today. Stay with us. Mary's been on to say, Jerry, we were in Warren Point for a couple of nights recently and there were Curragh races on the Sunday. It was absolutely lovely watching them on the lovely Carlingford Lock. I'm sure it was, Mary. Thanks for letting us know. And they're racing in Skerries. Uh, we were talking a few moments ago to Shane Holland this Saturday from 11am. Draw the posties. Do you remember, Louise, last May, not May this year, the previous they year? Sang. They Did sang, you? yeah, they, they uh, covered uh, Ireland's Call, mm. the Phil Coulter song. And I remember we, we were talking about the day Eamon was where you were and he, we grabbed Coulter and he joined us for a chat here oh, in late lunch. It was lovely. It was lovely. Just off the cuff we had him and he joined Tom Maguire who was uh, speaking on behalf of the post office crew there. Well, they presented their cheque today. I, I think they're doing it or they're going to present it now around three o'clock. To, they were raising funds for the frontline staff on Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital they've raised more than 20,000. You know, like it's been it's a terrific, terrific effort. I haven't the exact, but no, it's the more than that. The video went anyway. viral, didn't it? Oh, it went mad. Anyway, the money has been presented today, the official presentation, and the money will go to good use. It's going to be used for facilities in the hospital. Uh, so it's great here. So well done to all Drogheda Posties on the fundraising and the presentation of the cheque that's gone on today. What about the toasty and the iron? Any update on the iron toasty? I, I couldn't find the iron. It's no wonder you don't do it. I will do it. I will. I will. It's no wonder you don't do it. I the ham and bread. I just couldn't find the iron. I have a few tomatoes for you. Would you put a tomato in a toasted sandwich? Yeah, why not? Would you? Yeah. yeah, you have to make sure though it's it's um, cut very finely. Or you burn the mouth of it. Burn it. I was going <laughs> to say that. I've done it in the past, and if you stick a tomato in, geez, it burned the gob off you. It would. Uh, nothing else would. But if you put a tomato... It's not something I'd really put in a toasty as a tomato, to be honest with you. I love a ham and cheese toasty. Louise. With onion. With a little bit of red onion through it is lovely. And mustard. 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 Oh, yeah. I've heard of relish, but never mustard. Oh, I love mustard on ham. Mustard on ham sandwiches. Sure, that's what life's I all love about. I but never in a toasty. 
Would you not? No. Would you put mustard on an, an ordinary ham, a hang sandwich? Just a slice of ham and just get it. No, the hang sandwich. Get the, what do you say? You, a, a sprinkle is it of mustard or, you know, when you use that fancy chef talk. Oh, do I? <laughs> do I, do I? Just get a spoonful and lump it on. <laughs> lump it on. <laughs> Mayonnaise, mustard, ham. and But look, uh, 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 anyway, you're going to try that. You, you I said promise, yesterday. I promise I you're will, yeah. get When she can find the iron. What hope is there for the <laughs> children in that house to have anything ironed if she can't find the bloody thing? <laughs> Ah, uh, anyway. <laughs> put the clothes on and you tell them to get back into bed for 10 minutes. <laughs> Madison Slevin has been confirmed today. Have a lovely day from Nanny, Granda, Auntie, Uncle and all your cousins, Madison. And Sir Luck, we're heading to news, board and weather at three with this one. It's for you, Madison. It's come back a few years. I love it. It's the Eurythmics. Let's have a listen. Say hello to Oshin McCourt this afternoon, listening in in Leak Slip in County Kildare. He's a regular listener. Nice to hear from you, Oshin, and thanks for the thanks. And delighted that you enjoyed your little goodie pack that we sent to you uh, recently. Enjoy. Uh, tomato and onion toasties are sensational, says Paul. I mean, Louise was saying, well, the tomato could burn the gobby. There you are, tomato and onion on their own in a toasty. Paula loves them. Thanks indeed for getting in touch with us on the show this afternoon. My artists of the week are you too yes and this week celebrating 40 years of slain they were the right choice in my opinion anyway they're just sensational the more you learn and read about them going back a little with the release of unforgettable fire in 1984 u2's record deal with island records was at an end they'd signed a four record four-year deal however island now knew they had something special on their hands so they extended the deal it was more lucrative they handed back copyright to their songs to U2. That was an essential part of that new deal. And Unforgettable was released in October and it was partly recorded at the Slane Castle I mentioned a moment ago there. It delivered a number of hit singles followed by a fantastic tour with Rolling Stone magazine describing U2 as the band of the 80s, the band that matters most. But it would be two and a half years before their fifth album emerged called The Joshua Tree. It was released in 1987 and man did it enjoy success. It made number one in 20 countries, stayed nine weeks at number one in the US album charts and was acclaimed as a seminal work, earning U2 four Grammy Award nominations. And when you make the cover of Time magazine... Well, you've really made it, haven't you? Yes, you two made the cover of Time magazine. They were featured with the headline, Rock's Hottest Ticket. And back to Rolling Stone, they said the Joshua Tree was one of Rock's greatest ever albums. The subsequent tour sold out every venue, smaller, middle-sized and massive arenas alike. Three million people attended with the receipts topping $40 million. Today I want to dip into Joshua and play this one, which was U2's first number one in the States. See the stone set in your eyes See the thorn twist in your side Ah, oh, they are our greatest ever, aren't they? Isn't that simply wonderful? Make the hair stand on the back of your neck listening to it. From the Joshua Tree, with or without you, from you two, my artists of the week this week. And I'm privileged to say I saw them that first time in Slane and was at them subsequently. I remember going with Callum Corrigan and Michael Carlin and the crew to Crow Park one day. 
Jeez, we were queuing about 20 minutes for a drink. Our tongues hanging out. I'll never forget it. But they were wonderful as well. But uh, yes, our finest indeed, you two. And more about them on the show tomorrow around about the same time. Our final break of the afternoon. Liam, I know, I know you love him. Oh, Jerry, I love Peter K. Live. What about Carshare? Wasn't it outstanding? And of course, his mum is from Tyrone. She is indeed. Anyway, Peter K. Back on the stage in recent days. Thank God, after an absence of a few years. And we're going to remind ourselves of his comedy genius next. Louise, you've been at a few weddings in your time. I have. <laughs> you put this afoot. You put this afoot, didn't you? He's brilliant. Yeah, you put it into me mind. And Peter Kay, he was back last week, which was fantastic mm. to see him back oh, on yeah, stage absolutely. live. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well missed. But I started eating garlic bread because of <laughs> Well, <laughs> Miss Louise Walsh put this into me head and it, I said, just got to do it before the week is out. Yes, Peter Kay, weddings. He's on the money here, isn't he, Louise? Yeah. Really, really on the money. Yes. Here Very is realistic. Peter. Oh, it's so, so true. It really is. Have a listen. The Manchester Arena recorded there. It's Mr. K- Mr. Peter Kay and his take on the wedding. I went to a wedding about two weeks ago. First one's up, any wedding. Little girls, about 10, 11 year old, dancing. I don't care about the rags that I get. I'm still out of jeans from the block to make a little bit of get on You always get that. You always get little girls dancing. You always get little lads doing this. Look at your trousers. Get up. Look at his trousers. They're filthy. Get up. Look at your pants. They're filthy. Come on, sit down. Cool down. Look, you're roasting, you're wet through. Sit down, have some lemonade. Look, you're like a bull mastiff. I want to go and play. I want you 22. Just calm down, will you? Fucking best man. You always get aunties and grandmas doing the bent over dance. Grandmas always go early. Wedding. Sandra, your grandma's going now. It's ten to eight. She's going. Grandma's like Yoda from Star Wars. She's about three foot tall with her anorak on. Going now, am I? Going now. Going, going. That disco's too loud for me. That's not music, it's just bloody noise. Go get home and get settled. Get curtains drawn. Give us a kiss. There you go, Grandma. You get home. You get home, get a shave. There's loads of bitchiness at weddings. Look at that dress. When was she measured for that? The bride, have you seen? Oh, you look really nice, Sandra. Look at you. That new bloody princess. Have a good day. You deserve it, you're a star. She's packed into that, isn't she? Look at her arms, looks like Russell Grant, what's the matter? I love DJs at weddings that talk all night and you can't understand the word they're saying. Please join some good time tonight. We That's a chance. It's alright, you're not crazy. I'm in the mind. I know it. Okay, I've got a taxi for our I've got a taxi for our geese, I can't find you, I'll leave it. <laughs> okay. The Buffy's ready, the Buffy is ready. I heard that one, Buffy's ready. Buffy! Charge! Buffy! Don't go first, we don't know him. 
Give it ten minutes, we're not pigs. <laughs> Dad, go and get me some Buffy, go and get me some Buffy. I've had no tea, I'll keep the seats, I'll keep the seats. You go, you know what to do. <laughs> oh, she's put a good spread on. Look at that. Volavons, quiche, chicken legs, volavons. Quiche again, chicken legs. Fucking <laughs> volavons, quiche. That's all it is, one table and a shitload of mirrors. That's all it is. <laughs> Always reminds me of Scooby-Doo. When they used to run down a corridor in Scooby-Doo and they used to pass the same things, volavons, quiche, chicken legs, volavons, quiche, chicken legs. Yeah, Dad, I've got you some food. What's this? <laughs> Garlic bread, you're joking! <laughs> Garlic bread in my mouth! <laughs> you slipped down in, didn't you? Hey, that's beautiful, that, that's beautiful, that. That's the future, that's a taste sensation. Huh? <laughs> it's the future! It's the future! What's that there? Excuse me, what? Cheesecake? Jesus Christ. Am I here playing tricks on me? Cheesecake? A cake of cheese, the dirty says, Cheesecake, I'm gonna be sick. Cheesecake. Cheesecake, no. Cheesecake, no, dirty bastard. A cake of cheese. After Buffy, everyone's a bit pissed now, they all wanna dance. DJ puts on Greek's Mega Mix. Music man, Black Lace, that's a winner. Come on, Eileen, Jive Bunny, bit of rock and roll for mums and dads. Whipped, whipped, come on, everybody. Uncle Nobhead, he's there, he's up. He's got his brand new cream slip-ons on. His wife's got a beehive and a face like a smacked ass. They hate each other's guts, but they both love jiving. They take it really seriously. Come on. Dads get up drunk with the ties fastened around their heads. <laughs> I've not lost it. Love it when dads sing and they're drunk and they haven't got a clue what words are. Dancing queen, feel the meat and the tangerine. <laughs> Dancing queen, eating Chinese with Mr. Bean, oh yeah. You can dance in your underpants. <laughs> You're the type of DJs, I always love at weddings, are the ones that have the shirts open, because they've been fantastic in afternoon. <laughs> they've got a back perm, blonde highlights in their hair, poor man's Paul Nicholas. They love themselves. And all they do is just flirt all night and show off and talk to women and talk after every line of every record, like this. What am I? Tell me again. What have I got? What have I hit? That's right. It's party time, come on! That's right, come on! What about your knees? A drum! That's right! A drum! Come on! 
Oh my God, if you're not off the chair laughing to that, I don't know what to say. Louise, who are these Eamons, the DJs that we know? <laughs> <laughs> All the DJs would be saying that, wouldn't we they? We do know those DJs, we do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and the, you can never hear them. No, no, he just, you know, the thing about, the thing that makes Peter Kay his brilliant observation of life. It's just outstanding in everything he he's done and does. And just that, forgot rock the boat. Uh, yeah, I, had to, uh, <laughs> I, had to, I didn't show we'd be saying goodbye and we'd go down into half three and beyond. Anyway, it just does show you, doesn't it, the talent that the man is. I was lucky enough to go and see him when he was in Dublin and he was just simply marvellous live. But the ra- the range of programmes he's been involved in comedy is just outstanding. And it's great to see him back and I hope he's back for good. Please God he is. He did that specially for a young lady who needs help, who needs financial help. He, that's why he came back, just to help one one girl. I who didn't needs know special that. treatment. Yes, he put on those two concerts. So he did. But let's hope he is back uh, long term as well and creating wonderful laughs again because what is life without a laugh? It's absolutely nothing. Anyway, that's a lot on Late Lunch for this Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully we sent you off smiling. Eddie Caffrey is coming next with some wonderful music on the drive and we'll be back on Late Lunch tomorrow. And among uh, the topics we'll be covering and guests will be talking talking to yes it is back to school soon and um, maybe you have the business done maybe you have it anyway we're talking about it on the show and more besides tomorrow but for this evening wednesday have a good one see you tomorrow it's a date 1 30 take care the late lunch with blackstone motors drahada dundalk and cavan discover the all-new renault traffic at blackstone motors and get a five-year warranty and low apr with same day business finance call our van specialist danny today see blackstonemotors.ie this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.